You're listening to Unabridged, the Christian fiction audiobook podcast. I'm Alana Terry, bringing you engrossing, engaging Christian fiction in bite-sized segments you can take with you on the go. This season's Unabridged Christian fiction audiobook is Termination Dust, an unforgettable suspense novel set in the heart of rural Alaska. Termination Dust is written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy, and sponsored by The Beloved Daughter, an audiobook about a young girl sent to a North Korean prison camp for her father's Christian faith. The Beloved Daughter has won awards from Women of Faith, Reader's Favorite, The Book Club Network, and several more. The audiobook version is narrated by Kathy Garver, lifelong actress and winner of two Audio Awards. Visit alanaterry.com beloved to get this audiobook free with your Audible trial today. And now, enjoy today's installment of Termination Dust, an Alaskan Refuge Christian Suspense audiobook. Chapter 16 Pip woke up from his nap, crying. No, that wasn't the right word for it. Shrieking. Kimmy had never heard any human make sounds like that, not in her entire life. She'd been heating up the last of the chili to get ready for dinner when she heard the shrill screams. Running to Pip's room, she braced herself for something terrible. His clothes were engulfed in flames. Chuck was stabbing him with the knife he'd used to butcher moose back in the days before he grew too lazy to go hunting. But no, Chuck wasn't there, and as Kimmy knelt on the floor by the mattress, she couldn't see anything wrong. "'What is it, Buster?' she asked, but Pip only continued to scream as if his intestines had caught fire. She examined his body, looking for injury, trying to guess where he hurt. Could it be his appendix or something else internal that she couldn't see? She had to get him to medical care, but how? Pip, where do you hurt, Buster? He thrashed from side to side. She had to calm his movements. If she could just make eye contact, she could try to communicate. She curled him up on her lap, doing what she could to hold his head still so he wouldn't hurt himself with his wild flailing. When she saw the look in his eyes, her words caught in her throat. That wasn't her brother. It was someone else, something else. His eyes were entirely vacant, reminding her mercilessly of her mother's corpse. He stared at her, still unseeing, and shrieked again. Terrified, she hefted him into her arms and raced into the living room. Something's wrong. She didn't care how worried Chuck was about money. She didn't care how much he hated the idea of doctors treating welfare patients. Pip needed medical attention now. Chuck blinked at his son, and for a moment his face blanched. Kimmy didn't know if she should be grateful that he was taking Pip's condition seriously, or if his reaction only freaked her out more. He woke up screaming, she explained, panting. I don't know what to do. Her heart was racing, both from the physical energy it spent to keep her brother from flinging himself out of her arms and from her fear for his safety. Chuck looked as bewildered as she felt, so she dared to squeak, Should I take him to the doctor? The words seemed to snap Chuck out of his fearful reverie his son's behavior had cast him into. He scowled, No. 
he stood up from the recliner, toppling Pringles crumbs and a crushed beer can onto the carpet. He took a step forward and stared at his son. Night terrors, he announced factually. You've just got to wake him up. Kimmy forced herself to look at those expressionless eyes again. But he is awake, see? Chuck shook his head. No, he ain't. He raised his fist in the air, and before Kimmy could react, he brought it down onto her brother's belly. Pip opened his mouth like a fish trying to gulp air, and in an instant the blank, glossy eyes took on an expression of fear and pain. He sucked in a noisy inhale, then started to cry. See? Chuck turned back around and lumbered to his seat. All you gotta do is wake him up. Kimmy turned her back and hurried with Pip into the bedroom. She fingered the card in her pocket where Taylor had written out his number, telling her to call if she ever needed help. Through his tears, Pip clung onto Kimmy's shoulders, but no longer flailed around or acted possessed. Kimmy took in a choppy inhalation and sank down with him on the mattress. Stroking his sweat-drenched hair, she fingered Taylor's card with her other hand and promised her brother, I'm going to find us a way out of here. I'm going to get us some help. Chapter 17 Dinner had been doomed from the start. During the entire time Kimmy was dealing with Pip and his night terrors, she'd left the chili on the stove. By the time she realized her mistake, half of the meal had turned into black crisp. She would have never served it to her stepdad, but that was the last of the chili, so she added a few prayers and half a can of water, hoping to mask the burnt taste and stretch the meager offering out as much as possible. She scooped the top portion, the part that was the least scalded, into a bowl for Chuck and split the rest between herself and Pip. Even though Chuck never ate the heels of his bread, Kimmy couldn't serve the portions to Pip at the table without infuriating her stepfather, so she slipped them beneath her sweater to store for later. Pip would sleep better with a snack before bed anyway. This tastes awful, Chuck declared after his first bite. What'd you do to it? Kimmy caught Pip's eyes on her. For her brother's sake, she'd tried to avoid a confrontation. It would take every ounce of her patience and self-possession, but to keep Pip safe, it was worth the effort. I'm sorry. Kimmy eyed her own bowl, which contained nothing but black tar and a few beans. It got a little burned. Chuck spat, his saliva landing on the edge of the table instead of the floor where he probably intended. What kind of stupid idiot can't even cook chili? She poked at the lumps in her bowl and offered another apology, one she mentally promised herself would be her last. She had to stop this, stop groveling. Mom had done nothing but cower before Chuck, and look where it had gotten her. For years, Kimmy had been plagued with both the urge to protect her mother and the unbearable frustration of knowing Mom was too weak to leave. Kimmy hated the way Mom refused to stand up to Chuck, the way she let him beat her up without offering up even the faintest of protests. 
For years, Kimi simultaneously despised, feared for, and pleaded with her mom, also vowing to herself that she would never let another man ruin her life the way Chuck had ruined her mother's. But now, look where she was. It hadn't even been a full week since mom's death, and Kimmy was falling into the exact same passive role, submissively trying to placate her stepfather because she was too scared to see Pip hurt. It gave her an entirely new outlook on what Mom had experienced the last ten years of her life. What if the reason she stayed with Chuck wasn't because she was too weak to leave him, but because she was scared of what he might do to her kids? By the time Pip came around, she must have felt even more trapped. For years, Kimmy wondered why her mom hadn't simply walked away, had cried herself to sleep at night, asking God why her mom hated her and Pip enough to keep them trapped here. Maybe Kimmy had been wrong. Maybe it was her love for her children that bound her mother to this monster. Kimmy had vowed to never repeat the same mistakes her mom did, but wasn't she doing the exact same thing? Apologizing to Chuck because she didn't want him to get angry and possibly hurt her brother, persevering in this purgatory of an existence because her only other option was to leave Pip alone with his father, abandoning the brother she loved. Why aren't you eating that boy? Kimmy's spine stiffened while Chuck glared at Pip's bowl of burnt chili. Pip glanced to her and she rushed to fill the silence. They had a pretty big lunch this afternoon at work. Wrong thing to say. Why did she mention the daycare? Chuck grabbed his son's bowl and shoved it under his chin. You eat this food your sister made or you're going to be sleeping outside with the bears and the moose tonight. Pip's eyes widened. Chuck sneered, taking apparent pleasure in his son's fear. That's right. Pretend like you understand what I'm saying. Pretend like you're not some stupid, idiotic... Kimmy was clutching the sides of her chair to keep from jumping up and slapping him. Tears stung the corners of her eyes, not of anger or fear or even grief, but of sheer hatred. She wanted to see Chuck dead. She wanted to be there when he gasped his last breath, his ugly, gaping mouth hanging open, his curses finally silenced. The hatred coursed through her entire body, fueling her. She began to shake. The only thing that kept her from seizing whatever utensil she could grab hold of and attacking her stepfather was that she didn't want to scare her brother. Eat your chili, Buster, she whispered. That's right, Chuck mocked in an imitating falsetto. Eat your chili, Buster, because you're lucky I even let you sit at my table. You know what most parents do to little boys who don't know how to talk by the time they're your age? They make them crawl on the floor and lick up their food like dogs. He jabbed his spoon toward his son. That's what I'm going to do with you if you don't eat every single bite from your bowl. You hear me? Kimmy turned toward her brother and scooped a small spoonful of chili into his mouth. 
trying to shut out the sound of Chuck jeering at his son for having to be fed like an infant, she pictured a life free from everything, free from Chuck, free from this revolting trailer, free from her grief and her guilt, free from the questions about her mom's death that plagued her. That's right, Chuck taunted, his voice rising in pitch. Feed the tiny little baby. Then don't forget to change his diaper, too. Is your diaper dirty, you stupid little idiot? Kimmy kept her back to him. He was egging her on, a dinner game he'd played hundreds of times with her mother, teasing and jeering until Mom started to cry or showed some other display of emotion, enough to fuel Chuck's sadism until he felt he had the right to heap physical abuse on top of the verbal. Kimmy refused to fall victim in this game of his. She wasn't going to give him the privilege of seeing her emotions, of sensing her fear. She wasn't going to show any sign of weakness. He could beat her if he wanted, but her mind and soul belonged to her alone. She wondered what he'd do if he realized how much hatred she hid buried beneath her expressionless exterior, how many times she'd sat at this same table and visualized his pained and tortured death. No, it wasn't a Christian attitude. Mom had taught her to forgive anyone who wronged her, but Mom wasn't here anymore and her strategy of rolling over like a compliant dog welcoming its master's boot wasn't going to get Kimmy anything but injured. She knew that the Bible talked about love and grace and forgiveness, but there were also times for wrath. And right now, the thing she prayed for most was for God to afflict her stepfather with every kind of disease and painful torment in his vast, almighty repertoire. The thought fueled her determination, and she fed her brother in silence. You've been listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by the Beloved Daughter Audiobook, available exclusively on Audible. Visit alanaterry.com slash beloved to download the Beloved Daughter audiobook, narrated by two-time Audie Award winner Kathy Garber. If you're new to Audible, you can listen to this award-winning novel right away with a no-risk 30-day free trial when you go to alanaterry.com slash beloved. And don't forget to tune in soon for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Thanks for listening.